0: Yo, dude! Awesome episode, man. Thank you for pointing out that it was National Puzzle Day. I love puzzles. I talk about them on my latest episode, and just so much thanks to everything you said about the Wrath of the Righteous session, man. Like that, it you know, to echo Joe Salvatore's words, that that means a lot, man. It really does. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to what I've said in the past. I want to run games that I would also want to play in, and I think. <laughs> You know, I hope that's what we all aspire to. I hope we're all running games that we would also want to play in. Uh, and I love playing with you, dude. You're, you're, an, awesome, you're an awesome player. And, dude, is there, are there many people cooler than Spike Pit? I, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I got my fingers crossed. I don't even watch Cobra Kai. But if that comes on, if that's a thing that happens, I will absolutely watch Cobra Kai. Anyway, dude, peace out.
1: Pop yourself a beer or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him what you got He said I'll start off with some talking And some moody clips and popcorn Fighting fantasy explorations And some groundless exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching And some blind unboxings Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I let the box come on Contests and of course you know it's all about games I said slow down let's just start with the name It's The nerd.
2: With the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today is mostly an interview with Joe Richter, the caller there at the top of the show, about this Wrath of the Righteous Pathfinder game that he's running. I figured we would talk about some neat things. We could talk about my character a little bit, talk about how much world lore you should know if you're going to join a Pathfinder game. And, you know, the other thing we talk about is talking in first person, how important that is to a game, things like that. Before that, though, I'm going to play a call from Arlen Walker. We've recently had a couple bonus episodes on this show where Arlen called in about some things he didn't like about AD&D 2E. And then I had some responses in my last episode, 311, the National Puzzle Day episode. So Arlen Walker's released his own episode responding to all that over on his podcast, Live from Helms Wasteland. There's a link to that in the show notes. If you're interested in this discussion about two E, definitely call over there or go listen to his podcast first, and then you know, feel free to call into his show or or whatever. If you want to call in here, you can. But I really don't know much about Tui, so I'm really not a great moderator for this topic. Maybe like I think I mentioned before, Carl Rodriguez is a pretty big expert on Tui. He might also be a, a show to to kind of field these questions a little bit better. But I'll definitely help facilitate any conversations that are needed. So I'll be playing Arlen's message. And then we're going to get into this interview with me and Joe. And then after that, there's a really short, it's like five minutes or so, a really short, totally spoiler-free review of a new show on Netflix that I personally really enjoyed. And then after that quick spoiler-free review where I try to sell you on a show, we'll do TJ Drennan's wonderful music playing us out. So if you have any comments or questions or feedback on the show today, you can leave me a message on Anchor. You can send me an email at nerdsrpgvarietycast@gmail.com. gmail.com. If you attach an audio file, I'll play it on the air and make you famous. Or you can find me on a variety of discords. So let's hear what Arlen has to say, and then we'll get into the interview. And like I say, we'll round out the show with a spoiler-free talk of the new dark comedy parody, but still kind of serious, mystery that Christian Bell has on Netflix, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window.
1: Hi, it's Arlen, Arlen Walker of Live from Pelham's Wasteland, calling in for both you, Jason, and also for Minion or anybody else who wants to hear that I have just uh, a couple of moments ago put out an episode of my own podcast that is essentially a response to um, Minion's Defenses of AD&D 2nd Edition that were put forward in the bonus Minion Defense AD&D 2E episode. Um, and uh, so anybody who wants to listen to sort of my response to those defenses can go listen to uh, my episode. Uh, season 3, episode 9, I believe, is the the newest one. You can double check, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, 3.9, Response to Minion on 2E. Anybody who's interested can go listen to that episode of my podcast.
2: So, yeah. So, I've got a special guest on the show today. I have Joe from Hindsightless. How you doing, Joe? Good, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I, nice. I, I wanted to bring you on because there's been some calls lately to my show, and I've been throwing some ideas out about Pathfinder on my show. And since you're the Pathfinder guru, figured. <laughs> and and the GM for the game I'm in, right. this particular game that I'm talking about, then I thought it makes sense to get you to come on there. So I'd like to talk about a couple things. Yeah, I'd like dude. to talk about my character and we'll talk like the back backstory of the character stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And 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 I also want to talk about the idea of which isn't just a Pathfinder issue, but and it, it's across many games and settings, but the idea of how much you, lore do you need to know how much of the the back the setting background do you really need to know to engage with the game and obviously that's going to differ game to game right right but, but but talking specifically pathfinder and some of these pathfinder adventure paths yeah that's what i'd like to focus on
0: let's do it i'm into it
2: yeah so so i get well let's let's talk about the let's talk about my character first so you said you're going to do this wrath of the righteous game first edition pathfinder. I've got very limited experience first edition pathfinder played in one of your games before a couple mm-hmm. sessions, maybe three mm-hmm. sessions, something
0: like that. Right. Right.
2: And you know, I've skimmed through the rules and, and I know the rules a little bit. I still need to do some homework, especially with this character because it's a dwarf monk. So we have grappling and all. So I need to get more boned up on all that stuff. But to me, like as a player, it's definitely my job to learn how my character works. It's my job to learn, especially how they interact with other characters and combat and all that kind of thing, because I can't be a good team player if I can't effectively use my guy. But yeah, as a player I'm not as worried about the world lore in this game if I'm not... I, I mean, if I was interested in it, maybe I would dig into it, but I've got all this other stuff on my plate. and It's nothing against Pathfinder. I'm just not like drawn to like sit there and read like all the wikipedia pages on the history pathfinder and all that there, you
0: know? yeah there's a lot dude
2: so <laughs> so in your opinion you've been in different so, so i guess we'll talk about the second thing instead of the first thing first but in, in your opinion it, we we that we're recording this at night folks after work so we might bounce around a little bit because i know i'm a little punch drunk tired yeah. but um in your opinion you play different adventure paths and and pathfinder does these things called adventure paths that are different to old school players like me but basically it's set up where you take your character at first level and it's going to advance them all the way through to you know whatever 20th level or yeah level or something right it's a whole story like the character's whole life is like this one adventure path Totally.
0: well yeah this is this so wrath of the righteous the game i'm running for you and some of my other friends it's the first paizo adventure to take you from first level to 20th, 20th level and it's okay. the 13th adventure path they put out it came out uh, in 2013 so almost 10 years ago okay and yeah
2: and so you i I know you've done this one you've done some other ones you talk about in your show you're doing some some different things how important do you think it is like say, to me as a player, I right. need to know the mechanics of how my character works. Yes. I need to know the combat stuff. I need to know all that kind of stuff. If yeah. you're playing a spell cast, you need to know how the spells work, all that, of course. But how important is it, do you think, for the adventure paths you've been involved in and played in or run for for players to do a deep dive in the? I, what, what's the I Pathfinder don't, world, Glorian or... or Galarian, yeah. Galarian, yeah.
0: Galarian, I don't know how it's actually pronounced. Yeah, so but, how
2: important is it to learn all that stuff? Is that a I, barrier? I, Should players learn all that before they even get involved with Pathfinder?
0: Most of the people I play with don't know much about the world of Pathfinder. Um, you don't need to know anything about the world of Pathfinder to play in these adventure paths. Like if you know stuff you like pick up, they're like little Easter eggs for nerds, right? Where you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I recognize that name. It's a name of like the sun God. But as far as like playing the actual adventure goes, you don't need to know anything
2: at all. That's cool. So there's really not a bar to entry. This is also a thing RuneQuest faces, right? Cause everybody's like, Oh, it's got this rich history. Right. But when you read, whenever you have interviews with like the author's of room quest or new books come out, they're like, Hey, you don't have to know all the background. Just jump in. But yeah. i worried about jumping in, even though the, you know, they're telling you chaosium and you know, the publishers and adventure writers are like, no, it's okay. Just jump right in. But people are worried about that barrier of entry. And, and, right. I, yeah, go ahead. and
0: especially for players, like for a dungeon master, it, it, it it's helpful to know stuff about like the world that this, it, whatever adventure, you, and this is for like pre-published adventures we're talking about, not right, like right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But like, if you're running a pre-published adventure, it, it probably would be good to do a little bit of research if you're going to run the game. But mm-hmm. even then, even if you didn't, you could pick up wrath of the righteous and just start playing it. All the information you need is in wrath of the righteous in the books like the the adventure path books themselves except for like the rules but as far as all the lore goes all the lore you need to know is right there in the book so you don't need any other sort of like reference material if you don't want to get it's you know if you don't want to go down that road
2: no that's awesome that's good so hopefully you know folks don't be scared off by pathfinder because you don't know the world lore because you don't need to know it to play these games
0: yeah, no, not at all, man Like, yeah, like like you said You don't know anything about The world of Pathfinder uh, The other, you know Three of the other four Players in that group Don't know anything really about the world Of Pathfinder, so And then for my Curse of the Crimson Throne game Most of them don't know anything about Pathfinder World It, Yeah, yeah you really don't need to know anything About the world to play in the games yeah, I
2: guess the big thing, you know, it's it's, it's a high fantasy world, right? So you got lots of magic, all, all the different kinds of ancestries and character yeah. types. And yeah, it's a big mishmash high fantasy world. Yes. So you have magic shops and you have freaking goblins walking down the street and everything else. And I mean, obviously that's going to change. You'll have some settlements, no doubt, and adventures that are maybe like human centric or, or yep, like yep. human human supremacists or whatever. But, right. but in general though, the setting is, all kinds of intelligent ancestries and you know high magic is in you know lots of spells and
0: yeah it's baked into the system and it's you know the world the pathfinder world is so big there are different areas of the world that focus in on different things like there's a more kind of sci-fi setting country if you will like continent almost that you could go to in the pathfinder world where there's you can get like laser guns and stuff um and then there's like deep jungles it's it's basically got any sort of setting you want kind of baked into the world uh which you know it's pretty savvy design. If you're going to build a world for people to play in it's nice to have a bunch of different areas that they could you know do different adventures in right and yeah
2: and it opens itself up to some gonzo thoughts so i know my character i was a little worried about because he's a l- little bit gonzo and a little mm-hmm. bit anac- anachronistic right he's, yeah because we're playing a dwarf monk who's yep. effectively based on randy the macho man savage right so and we're his doing name a, is
0: tell the listeners what his name is no, it's I'll tell him then. It's not Randor Savage Fist. Yep. That's a dope name, dude. That's an awesome <laughs> yep. name. Yeah, um, and, and, and Randor is a he's an
2: interesting cat. But I, yeah. I was a little worried because you're bringing in the idea of like modern wrestling and and kind of basing that those speech patterns and all. But the other players seem to be okay with it. No, nobody. It's not pulling anybody out of the game. Oh, which no obviously is going to depend on each group, right? Yes, but yes. But in this case, you know, I, I think we're all having fun and everybody's got really neat backgrounds to their characters. And I've probably thought the least about the background of my character, unfortunately, which is kind of why I wanted to get with you. Yeah. To, and we're going to flesh a little bit of this out. We can do it Let, for the listeners yeah, while we do it. Totally. So, with, with Wrath of the Right, so normally with a, with a character, let's say we were, you were doing a home, say we we're just being mm-hmm. first level characters for a, like a first level adventure, right? Not in yep. a venture path you have your ancestry which he's a dwarf you have his class which he's a monk yep right and then you would probably have some kind of background i, I assume i don't know because
0: pathfinder doesn't have the background system okay. like all you get in pathfinder is your your ancestry and your class that's okay it. okay then so then that's what you normally have yep
2: but in this case with wrath of the righteous they add some extra stuff in
0: yeah, these things called campaign traits. So most of these Pizo adventure paths come with these things called traits, which are kind of like, if you're familiar with Pathfinder, you know about feats, and traits are like half a feat, kind of. That's sort of what they are, and they tie your character into the specific adventure path. That's their that's their reasoning. Tie your your his, your character's history into the adventure path.
2: Very cool. So let's talk about some of the, these traits in Wrath of the Righteous. And let's specifically talk about Randor's mm-hmm. since, since we're we're talking about him. So so what's his what's his trait?
0: I believe you have the one called Stolen Fury. Yeah, he was the one where he was captured and tortured. And yeah, so you were at some point in your history. Uh, you were captured by cultists. Uh-huh. and they were going to perform some ritual on you and you were able to harness basically the ritual's energy and sort of use it against them to escape and you're not sure who they were and it could be whenever that happened to you um like that's that's it's just like a framework for you to imagine in right and so what i've done with this is
2: in Pathfinder, and I don't want to mispronounce things, so we're putting you on the spot here, but there's a and one of the things you have to decide, or you don't have to, I guess, but normally you would you're gonna pick a deity for your character, right?
0: Because yes. the deities
2: are involved in the world, they exist, and they're active. So it, it makes sense that, that characters would follow deities.
0: Especially well, but- in this particular campaign, it's very demon killing good deity serving centric.
2: Right. So, so in this, it, you know, in theory, I could be found a dwarf deity or I could be found the, the monk deity. Right. And, yep. and so the dwarf deity is
0: Torag.
2: Yep. And the monk deity is Irori. Rory. I Rory. That's, that's the one, cause the way it's spelled, it's yeah. Man, I was worried about this. So what we had talked about, what I decided that at the time before he became a monk. So in my mind, Randor, before he was a monk, is when he was captured and he okay. went through this ordeal with the demons. And, yeah. you, you know, for whatever reason, you, you know, even through his pleading and prayers and whatnot, Tourag didn't just like whisk him out of there. Right. Right. Which, you know, is pretty reasonable because Tourag's got a lot mm-hmm. of stuff to do. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and he, Brandor probably wasn't super pious at that point anyway. So, anyway, but the point is, so he kind of lost faith in the idea that this, that Torag would would save him because he got out through other means, wh- whatever yeah. they were, and we'll explore that maybe down the road. But so when he became a monk, it was the idea that well, he's got to be self sufficient, and that's why he's kind of more fall in line with with the monk god, with Irori, I, I Irori, than yep.
0: Torag, and and so
2: that's what we're doing for the background for
0: yeah, Randall. that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Where is Randor age wise in his life? Is he like a young adult? Is he middle-aged? Is he a teenager? I I think he's probably
2: middle-aged, probably. Okay. So for a human, he would probably be, he, say so he wouldn't be middle-aged. I take that back, but he would be late twenties, early thirties.
0: Yeah. Right? Okay. So, so like he a would young have adult.
2: Yeah. So th- this traumatic experience probably happened when he was like late teens. Right. And okay. and then so for the past like ten years he's been following the path after he escaped he's been following this path of of, of physical perfection and and the monk and you, you know self um yeah self sufficiency uh, well, yeah self sufficiency thank you yeah but, so that's kind of yeah so that's kind of where I view him so he's somewhere you know somewhere in that twenty eight to thirty two some somewhere like in that range for a human okay. now obviously a dwarf is a little bit different age wise but that. You know that bracket? Yeah, no,
0: that same bracket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's probably like a hundred something years old. You know, whatever right. it is in dwarf right. currents. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is, now nice. is aging
2: a big? Let me ask you this: in D and D, especially older editions of D and I don't know about like three point five. I've never played that, but in the old editions, D and D, aging was a big deal mm-hmm. because there are rules mm-hmm. in the book where when you hit certain age brackets some attributes go down and other ones go up yes and some spells like a haste spell you age a year like every time a haste spells cast one which obviously for a a shorter lived race like a human or a half work that's a big deal where a longer lived race like an elf it's not such a big deal right does does pathfinder do that kind of thing
0: it does it does so there are age categories uh set up the exact same way where so your physical attributes go down but your mental attributes go up Yep. Basically, and it's cumulative. Uh, they don't have the thing with the haste spell, which that's actually pretty rad. That went away, but they still do have... There are spells that can age you and monsters that can age you, and it will affect your stats, which, you know... Yeah, aging right. is definitely a thing.
2: No, very cool. Very cool. I, yeah. I, I kind of cut in. You were, you were going to maybe ask right. another question. So. so
0: my other question was... It, in the first session, the first session ended, where you guys came upon uh, a, basically a fallen temple to Torag, and right. there was this undead priest in there, uh, and you guys stumble across his diary. I don't know if you got a chance to read it, but the whole diary is about how um, you know he lost faith because he got he had this dream from Torag. Told him to build this temple and he built this temple underground and then nobody came and Torag never talked to him again. So he eventually like murdered his one acolyte and killed himself. So what is what's Randor feeling about that, man?
2: Yeah, well, that's gonna further prejudice him against Torag, right? Yeah. Uh, And and he's gonna wonder. So yeah, I I skimmed through it. I haven't like actually sat down and read the whole thing. I've been it's been a busy week. Yeah, Uh, totally. But it's not very long. But I mean, yeah, true, I, I did sure. skim through it. I saw that because didn't he like he was losing faith, and then wh- whatever, some something, something talked to him, right? Near, yeah, near his, bro- the- his his
0: weird evil brother.
2: Yeah. So I I need to go back and, and reread it in detail. But but this lack of Torag in following through, you, you know, that's kind of weird, and it's going to be interesting because I don't know. I don't. So one of the other characters is a, another dwarf who because of of magic and being demon fighters and maybe some uh, i don't know you can explain it but why this other dwarf is is much taller than average dwarf and has like goat horns
0: yeah because his blood somewhere down his familial bloodline uh while his family was fighting demons their their genes were tainted with demonic energies and eventually you know, recessive genes connected with other recessive genes, and boom, outsprung a six foot eight dwarf with goat horns and like kind of purpley skin and black eyes. Right,
2: but underneath, and, and you know, he's a dwarf, and so yeah. he thinks of himself just as a dwarf. He knows yes. I mean, he, he knows he looks different,
0: but and like, he's a paladin of Torag, right? and, and, right. and, and this character is Patty, right? Mm-hmm. This is Patty Patio yeah. Slate Fist. Right,
2: so I foresee, you know, Randor and Patty bumping heads at some point. Because at some point, and I'm and and from from, I playing with that player in the. I, I don't know if we want to say people's names, but but playing with that player in the past, Patty's player, you, you know, I think he'll be up for it. We it might be a discussion before a game starts at some point. But I think there the theological discussion will be interesting at some, and I'm sure it'll come up at some point in the campaign. Oh.
0: For sure, absolutely, and I think that's that'll be awesome, man. Yeah, because you got two dwarves, you know, and then there's the dwarf god. But one of these dwarves, the follower of the dwarf god, doesn't he doesn't really look like a dwarf? Hmm. Ah, it's it's oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, that's, so that's right for uh, yeah. Because like I said, this whole temple thing, it's pretty it's pretty hectic. But you right. guys will be heading out of there. This coming, this coming Saturday, man.
2: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a real fun game, and, and so that that's going to bring us to the final part of the interview here because I, I don't want to keep you too long, but the it, but this is going to play into it because one of the things that I really enjoyed with the session was that for the most part, obviously not a hundred percent, but for the most part, people were talking in character, right? people were talking first person or I don't know what the right term is, but they were, they were, they weren't saying, they weren't saying Randor says this, right. right. we speaking as, you know, I was speaking as Randor, Hey brother, good job. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, and I think, and, and pretty much everybody was doing that.
0: And, yes. and, and
2: obviously when you were portraying the NPCs, there, there were a couple of times, maybe as an NPC. You were like, well, so-and-so says this, but for the most part, you, and you have slightly different voices for the different NPCs and i'm not saying people have to be voice actors by any means but you spoke as that npc to the characters right
0: yes uh, so
2: so let's talk about that for a minute the idea yeah. of, of talking in in i don't know what in characters opposed to second or third person i guess right yeah
0: but let let's make the the differentiation up front we're not talking about doing voices mm. because most right. of the players in this group don't do voices including for the large part me right. i have a couple different tones that i use you know in kind of uh the like the speed or that word that i can't think of the way i speak but i don't right really do the, voices the tem- like eric. The, um
2: yeah temp t- not tempo um any i, I anyway I, I, yeah. Yeah, but yeah but like yeah.
0: eric the other night, he was amazing at doing voices and I was like, God, I wish I could do that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about talking in first person. So yeah, I like it. I think it's fun. Yeah. Well, I
2: do too. I, I, I think it's, it's fun. I, I don't think it's, you have to do that to role play. Don't get me wrong. We're not talk. We're not critical role. We're not actors here. Right. But I do think it helps you in a version means different things, different people. Right. And I don't necessarily want to get in definitions of immersion or because personally, I'm not big in the whole definition thing anyway. If let's get you into the game. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but I think doing that, you know, talking as the character and saying what the character says and and I've read people, I've read interviews and heard interviews of people, you know, some game masters to say, you know, I tell my players when, when you come, you know, when the games start, in fact, Ed Greenwood, the guy that came up with Forgotten Realms in D&D, mm-hmm. I was listening to an interview with him. And he, and he said, you know, when he, players come to his table, he has a couple rules. But one of the rules is whatever you say is what comes out, unless you like raise your hand, like, hey, this isn't in character. But right. pretty much anything you say is what comes out of your character's mouth. Yeah. You, you know, at the table. And that's to keep people from... Metagaming to some degree, right? It's keeping yeah. me from saying, Hey, Patty, he goes after you. So do this, this, and this. Well, right. everything comes out of my mouth. And obviously, you don't have time to do that, you know, in a six second combat round or whatever Pathfinder has. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a, a kind of good goal to have. I don't know if it needs to be a rule
0: per se. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely more of a goal. Cause right. I'll, I'll add, like, That's sort of my assumption is that unless it's super obvious that it's an out of character thing, my assumption is generally that the person is speaking in character. And then if I think it's like, sometimes I'll be like, do you do you actually say that? Right. And then, you know, if they're saying something crazy, then that'll at least stop them and they'll think, oh, okay, yeah, no, I do say that. Which that, that question has led to many crazy encounters. So it's a fun question to ask.
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and especially when you've got a group like this group we have, for Wrath of the Righteous, where people have kind of fun sense of humor, let's say. Yeah. 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 So people are willing to poke the bear with, you know, and, and push the envelope a little bit, which is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely a lot of bear poking. And I am the bear. in this group for sure (laughs) i mean the three you know other than you and jules those the other three people in the group you know they were my home group forever and stuff so like we've been playing together for a long time playing we've played a lot of pathfinder together that's why it's nice having you two in the game as well uh to add in that fresh that fresh spice man it's a great group
2: yeah i'm really looking forward to it i was you you know, kind of sick. Let on the first session, so I wasn't talking a whole lot. And then I got yeah. some work calls in the middle of the session, which I, I yeah I hate. But you didn't get
0: your you didn't get your bag of twenty gold.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but but I'll be much more engaged this this coming session. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So so I want to thank you for for discussing this stuff with me, and coming on. And, and like I say, folks, we're not saying if you and your group are enjoying the game and and your group always talks in what second or third person, whatever, you know, Randor says this, Mm -hmm. you're not playing wrong. Like, like as long as you guys are having fun, that's cool. I I think Joe would agree with that. Um, I totally agree with that, dude. I totally would. Yeah. So I've never, I've
0: never played that way before. It'd be, it'd be an interesting experiment.
2: Yeah. So and, And you know where I could see that happening to some degree too, is, if you're playing multiple characters, there are times where you've got two or three play, especially the older games, you might have two or three players and they might each be playing like two characters each or something.
0: Yeah. That would be hard to. Yeah. Like when we were doing the, uh, where, so I, I, I stand corrected where I was doing that. It was in that game that you ran the DCC funnel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The horror one where I had like six characters. I definitely talked a lot in third person then. Cause it's hard to get you can't. It's hard to get inside six people's heads at the same time. Right. Yeah.
2: And, and I mean that was a fun game. Don't get me
0: wrong. Yeah, that was a super but, fun game. But to me,
2: the funnel is not where it's at with DCC. Where it's right. at with DCC is once you get, like right now, I'm playing in a game one of Carl Rodriguez's games of DCC, and we start out at fifth level. And Carl nice. is is a great GM. He does a great job. And the yeah, great that thing about fun. Yeah, the great thing about jumping in at fifth level is your characters are pretty powerful because in DCC the power curve is a little bit more than it is in like D and D or Pathfinder. So fifth level characters are probably like tenth level characters in in other systems, right? They're they're more powerful. So because DCC, like some of the things in there that contribute to that are with spells, you roll to cast a spell, and if you're successful, you can cast it again. They don't go right, away, you right? Know what I mean, so there yeah. are things in there that. You know these characters are, are pretty powerful, which is fine because, like in that game, we're getting to engage with all the fun bits and bobs in DCC.
0: Exactly. That's Where with why. The funnel, love, you don't do any of that. Right. That's why I love this Wrath of the Righteous Adventure Pass so much because it just hucks crazy stuff at you guys like the whole time. It's really fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's and, and like you say, you know, even without knowing. And, and I'm not going to spoil the adventure path here. Um, right. People can go listen to your show and you're going to give some spoiler filled reviews as as this goes on. But the way it opens up, even without knowing any of the, the world lore and stuff, obviously, you know, demons are bad. And, you know, that a, a silver dragon protector to find, you know, talked about that way is probably good. So right. It's really easy to get into the world and, yeah. and understand what's happening. So. yeah
0: see then you know I did my job right I that as a dungeon master playing running for somebody who has no knowledge of the world I feel it's sort of my duty to present things to be like here are some facts about the world without just giving you like a piece of paper to read right yeah so yeah show not tell right exactly Isn't that what they say
2: yeah, de- definitely. You want to. Yeah. Yeah. Because re- and there was a lot of exposition there at the beginning. Not a lot, but there was a little bit. But There's the way a lot. You, yeah. But the way you presented it was was really fun because you presented it like a, like a pep rally or a political rally. Right. Right. And, and and with the like I say, with the energy that you did that, it, it was great. And, and it kept kept us engaged as opposed to if you're just, you know, reading block text.
0: But yeah yeah like I, I i'm so tempted to post up what they say to read and how it's supposed to be presented what paizo suggests like how you kick off this campaign it yeah it's it's a lot different than what i did <laughs>
2: well what what you did worked great for us i I, yeah. I don't know what paizo did so i'm not saying that's bad
0: right right I, right i know i enjoyed what you did yeah man i thought it was i thought it was a lot of fun but you guys are a super fun group to game with so it's it's there's a lot of good bouncing off of each other going on that i really dig
2: right and 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 you're like me where if you're a gm or a dm and i'm this way too honestly if i was sitting there i mean obviously you want to hit certain benchmarks if you can in, in a game like you know in this session we're hopefully going to reach get this far but honestly right if we're playing it and the, and the players, if I'm DMing a game and the players are having fun, bantering back and forth, right. Yeah. Then I'm not going to stop them. Go Uh-oh. for it. And, and you know what, if that means nothing like substantial happened to advance the story, well, but it did because the characters are interacting with yep. each other. And so exactly. you are advancing the story. Right. But if yep. nothing like the, like the actual like plot pieces that, they have right. Written. Like you didn't reach village, whatever. Mm-hmm. Who cares if everybody yeah. had fun? Like You'll I get love there watching my. Yeah, I love watching the players interact and and the best thing to me as a DM is watching players come up with solutions to the problems you present to them. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Running games is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it really
2: is. So. Because you All see right, the creativity man. then, but
0: yeah, yeah, thank you
2: so much. I I really appreciate it. I know we're getting late, so I'm going to let you go but yeah
0: dude well this is awesome thanks for having me on Jason
2: hey anytime Joe take care you too
0: hey Jason I need to make a correction I misspoke I believe uh, when I said the god of the monk's name I believe I said I Rory but his name is actually I Rory I missed an R it's I R O R I so yeah I just wanted to get that in there anyway man have a good night peace out
2: let's talk briefly about the new Netflix show the Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window, starring Christian Bell. Now, I've been a fan of Christian Bell for a long time. Big Veronica Mars fan. I even like the way the this most recent season ended because I think it was the right thing if the series is going to continue. I, I won't give that away If you if you haven't watched any of that. I think Veronica Mars really hits, especially the earlier seasons, does a good job of doing that. Noir mystery In a totally different setting In this case in a, in a high school setting um, it, it got a little soap operaish, But it was a TV show so what do you expect But Let's talk about this new Netflix series And I'm not going to give any spoilers here I'm going to talk about tone of the series A little bit And some interesting things So if you decide to watch it Which I, I think it's enjoyable I think it's worth watching But I think there are things you should know about it before you commit yourself to watching it, the tone of the story is weird it 's a mix of a heavy character type story where we 're look doing a character study of an emotionally damaged woman, but it 's got deadpan comedy and and some not and some outright comedy just mixed into it about eight minutes in the second episode you there 's a the maybe the, the first serious yank you out of the show moment. Again, I'm not going to ruin it here, but the whole time you're thinking to yourself, it doesn't work like that. That would never happen. Throughout the show, there are numerous delusions, daydreams, waking nightmares, things like that. So you're you're not sure if what you're watching is real or it's not. And maybe the most outrageous of these actually ends up being real, interestingly enough. At least in the show's reality. But, you know, it's not just delusion. You can tell maybe you're not supposed to take it totally seriously because there are other things in the show, too. There's a gravestone that's visited throughout the show a couple times, and the epitaph on this gravestone changes each time you go. None of the characters mention it. There's no attention drawn to it, so unless you're just an observant viewer, you wouldn't have known the epitaph changes. And, and the, ep- the changing epitaph, I don't think, has a whole lot to do. I don't know that there's a whole lot of meaning in the, two- in the couple different epitaphs you see, but... That said, obviously, this isn't meant to be a super serious show if they're doing things like that, playing jokes on you like that. And maybe that's to be understood, considering who directed it. It was directed by Michael Lehman, who is probably best known for directing Heathers, that dark high school comedy movie with Wino Ryder and Christian Slater. Apparently, there's some controversy on the Internet right now over a sex scene in the show, but I, I don't really know why. A, it's not really that graphic of a sex scene, to be honest. Um, and B, there's a nudity tag in every episode. But You know, when the episode, the titles come on. It says, you know, beware for drinking, drug use, nudity, whatever. So, I mean, what do you expect? And it's on Netflix. It's on a, a pay, you know, pay cable, pay cable channel, basically, right? So, I, I don't know why there's a big deal with that. But apparently, that's... Some people don't look at those disclaimers. I don't know The acting is good The plot keeps you engaged it, and, and we follow Christian Bell's character Through various rabbit holes That, that she goes and In fact, here's a quick sound clip Where she convinces herself To Keep investigating things And, and keep falling down rabbit holes I know what I saw God damn it.
0: To get to the bottom of something, sometimes you have to remind yourself
2: that if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.
0: And the biggest risk you can take is to risk nothing. And if you risk nothing, what you're really doing is risking not getting to the bottom of something. And if you don't get to the bottom of something, you risk everything.
2: Now... I'm not saying the show is perfect by any means Like I say, there's the weird tonal shifts And it it does that kind of dark comedy thing And the comedy, like I say, is pretty deadpan for the most part So it's really going to depend on your taste Whether you like that or not But the thing that, I guess my biggest complaint Is the fact that the presentation, the format of the show It's presented into eight episodes And they're half hour episodes So it's effectively a four hour movie And there were some slow spots For the most part you were engaged But I think it could have been cut down some And honestly I think you could have cut it down From effectively a four hour movie To a two hour movie And gotten just as good a show If not a better show A more impactful show Because it would have been a little bit quicker paced Now I guess having the half hour episode format Would have made sense If we released one episode a week And you're following it every week But when you dump the whole season at once, I have to assume most people are like me and they're just going to binge watch it. And if you binge watch it, well, then it's effectively a four hour movie. And if you watch it like a four hour movie, you you could definitely see where it'd be better if it was, you know, parts were edited down and, and whatnot. So maybe it's just me. I particularly don't, I'm not a big fan of series. I think most of the series that we see nowadays would be better off just as movies just cut down further as movies. That's just a personal opinion, though. That said, if you like Christian Bell, if you like mysteries, and you don't don't mind shows that make you slap your head in disbelief every now and then, I think I'd recommend it. Although, unlike some viewers, you are now pre-warned that there is a sex scene in there, so maybe not have your kids or your mother in the room when you're watching it. Anyhow, that's my review of the Netflix show The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. And even though I've said a couple disparaging things like the length of it and whatnot, it still gets a two thumbs up from Jason. your auntie or a joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's
1: in the, What's in the box? What's in
0: the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I will see him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold.
1: There is a dustbin in your spot, it's and I'm assuming that your partner back there in the woods, chipper. Don't
2: look away, don't look away, don't look away, don't look away. Well the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell. we're living for the dying
1: and we're dying for the train ray.